Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Asian. Today, I'm joined by one of my most genuine and sincere friends and colleague, Leah. Leah works in advertising technology and is the co-lead of Diversity Leadership, an employee resource group at our company. When not working her full-time job, she is also a certified yoga instructor. She's based in the tri-state area with her husband, her cat, and her dog. Leah is Black, and here we are today as fellow women of color to uplift each other, share our experiences, and talk about our shared passion, Trader Joe's. <laughs> Hi, Leah. Thanks for coming on the pod. Of course, Diana. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm also so proud of you and everything that you're doing. Thank you. I feel the same way about you. That's really nice of you to say. So Leah and I actually met at Razorfish, which was the company we used to work at. And at the time, we were on separate accounts, but we sat in a similar area. This was back in the original office building because we had moved during our time there. And I guess we've known each other for quite some time, actually, now that we think about it. Yeah, that was back in... 2014? Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) Six or seven years. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a while, which I love. So Leah, you and I talk about the struggles of being people of color a lot. And I think the sentiment that we both share is that we're not sit back and chill people. And we believe that we need to be part of the solution, helping to progress ideas and conversations. And I'm curious to know what that looks like for you. I mean, that's a really good question, right? Especially when in the past year, we've been seeing like a lot of different things go on with George Floyd. Um, And I feel like even, I just want to say that prior to George Floyd, we, you and I are both well aware that situations were happening in the black community, right? Like racism is real, systematic racism is real, but not just in the black community, but there also been atrocities against other communities as well. Um, So fully aware of that. I think what does it look like in terms of helping the solution? I think one big thing is being open to talking about it, right? Like having those conversations with friends and family because prior to 2020, I would have those conversations with family, but not friends. So like, what does it look like when, you know, I walk into a room as a black woman and, you know, someone may feel uncomfortable. Like, are you speaking up for me? Are you speaking up on my behalf? Are you having those conversations with your friends and family members? So I think one thing is definitely like speaking about it and communicating it, even if when it feels uncomfortable. I think another way to like progress the ideas is also just being mindful of what you listen to and watch, Mm -hmm. Um, being more open to listening to different types of podcasts where people are talking about people of color, their experiences, being mindful of what you're watching too. Like for a long time, people like loved watching things like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, you know, but there were rarely people of color on those shows. So just like opening up your mind in that way. And then I think also other ways is just like in terms of serving your community. Big Brothers, Big Sisters is an organization I love to support no matter what state I'm in. So I always make sure I'm supporting them or seeing how we can use their resources. And with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, they partner with different public schools where there's underrepresented groups and they're able to create just different content uh, and developmental plans for the success of their future. So like those are like the main things that you got to do. That's exciting. I'd say the conversations are the most important thing. And like the first step having conversations was the hardest part, especially with my own family. Last year, remember when it went full force, and everyone decided 
that it was time for like a reckoning and that we had to be more intentional about putting this front and center versus like shoving it into a corner of history. As an Asian American, I think having that conversation with my parents was probably the hardest part of it all. Like with my friends, they're generally of a certain breed and they're all just like, they get it, they're with the ship. It's fairly simple having the conversation with them. But with my parents who are from a completely different generation, who are immigrants, who have different political beliefs than I do, it was very challenging. And I was not happy with the response that I got, to be totally honest. And it was really awkward. Like, there were moments of silence when I was saying things that they obviously didn't agree with, but they could tell that I was super passionate about. And they just had nothing to say to me because they didn't want to like, increase the friction. But I think they came around because I started to frame it in a way to explain to them, for example, the police. Do you think if it was a white person, the outcome would have been different? If George Floyd was white, like, obviously, the outcome would be different. And to think that it's just because they're a black person, like, it only happens to black people, uh, I don't agree. Like, I don't think that would be true. So I think helping them to understand that we're all collectively in a very sad way, submitting to this like white supremacy mindset without realizing it was the point that I got across to them. And I think they get it now. They're not on the opposite end of the spectrum where they're just like, yes, Black Lives Matter. And they're like protesting down the street. They're not doing that. But I think in their heads, they get it now. And they're like, oh, this is why it matters. Like, this is why being an ally is important. This is what like white people are doing to us, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. So honestly, like what you're telling me in terms of your parents, like it really is disheartening, right? Because even though to your point, they were able to understand you, those are the people that raised you, you know? And, it, and it's hard when you know that your parents mean well, you know that they're good people. It's just difficult based on their background to understand. But I think the way you handle the conversation is the best way you could in terms of handling it with grace, right? Like, you know that they weren't gonna come see the complete picture and you didn't stop having the conversation at one point. Like you kept going back to make sure you had the conversation multiple times. Yeah. Which exactly. I really appreciate. And I appreciate the fact that you continue to have that conversation because it can be a difficult one to have. I think over time, they will start to understand more and more. And that applies to all of us, honestly. It's endless depth, right? Endless depth of how this like Eurocentric white supremacist mindset has been ingrained in all of us in some way. As we progress in life and we find ourselves in different circumstances, that kind of ingrained mindset and behavior manifests in different ways. So this is like a never ending thing where we're just like constantly actively retraining our minds, retraining our previous thoughts to be more open and think differently. Yeah. And to your point, like it's hard, right? Because you grow up with this mindset of like, if you do everything you're supposed to do, especially like in the George Floyd case, like if you, you know, just mind your business, if you dress a certain way, look a certain way, do certain things, then people shouldn't put their knee on your neck. Like, you know, like you should be fine. Like the police should not bother you. The police shouldn't harass you if you just do all the things you're supposed to do. And I think to your point, this just brought to light that you can do all the right things. And because based on the color of your skin, it still won't be enough. There are yep. still people who are not gonna like you based on the color of your skin. And I think for a lot of people to your point, I'm just glad that they were like awakened and at least can acknowledge it. Cause at least if it doesn't apply to you, at least you can be aware that this does happen 
and that you do want to do something about it. You know, like I hope people continue to get tired of just like sitting in the background, not doing anything about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you and I work at the same place and I think we've had our fair share of experiences. We, we end in meetings feeling frustrated or uh, unseen or unheard, especially as women of color. How do you manage all those feelings? From my experience, I think it can be very, very frustrating. And I speak up when I think it needs to be addressed. Like to be totally transparent, I, I'm not trying to go in and rock the boat. Compared to some other people in the organization, I don't have as much authority in terms of my seniority or like how many years that I've been at the company. And especially given we're in a global pandemic, job security is important and I'm not trying to like fire myself, right? So there are times when I see like subtle things and I just let it pass. I'm like, okay, I didn't like that, but I'm just gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it slide. And then there's other instances in which I'm like, oh, well, this, this needs to be addressed. Like we need to speak about this. Without naming names, I'll detail one situation that happened at work. We were trying to make a mascot to represent a certification program that we were working on. And the idea is that there's different levels of this certification program, everything from a beginner, novice to intermediate to expert. And someone had suggested the idea of putting in a ninja. We could change the level of proficiency based on the color of the belt, which is taken from karate. And then another person was like, yeah, and we can like throw in samurais. And I was like, where are we going with this? Like we are just taking different, like different cultural concepts and mixing them into one thing and like passing it off as this like certification program. I put a full stop to that. I was like, guys, what the hell are we doing? Like, we are absolutely not doing this. You know, it wasn't something where I had to like report it to HR or anything like that because I just put my foot down. And I was like, no, this is cultural appropriation. We are not doing this. But I'm curious for you, like, have you been in situations where you felt comfortable enough with the group that you were in to be like, no, like, let me call this out right now. It doesn't need to be a big deal, but let me call this out. First off, I want to say that the situation you went through, like, that's not okay. And it's like disrespectful on so many levels. And I also think that's the hard part too, right? I think it's brave of you and strong of you to speak up to say like, hey, this isn't appropriate. We shouldn't be doing it. I really just hope in the future that other people that we work with will be brave enough to say the similar feedback. I hate to say this, Diana, but for like a really long time, I used to not really say much when certain microaggressions would happen to me or in certain situations. So for instance, I was in a meeting not too long ago. It was just before the meeting started. We're just talking with a few different colleagues. And I don't believe I have an accent. And if I did, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but one of my colleagues, you know, asked me if I was from Atlanta. And I was like, first off, why would you ask me that? Like, are you asking me that because I'm Black? Are you asking me that because you're assuming because I'm a black person that works with you, the only place I can be from in America is from Atlanta. Actually, I'm from the Northeast, so no. And a part of me still kind of regrets that because I wish I would have spoken up even more. Like, what, what makes you think that that's where I'm from? Mm -hmm. But to your point, I was like, I don't want to rock the boat. This was just like a moment in a conversation. I probably should have said more. I don't do a good job, I'll be transparent, at speaking up when I'm in the meeting, but I do a good job of speaking up like after the fact. Because yeah. I think for me, as a Black woman, as a person of color, I always question, is this happening 
because I'm black? Am I being like too sensitive about the situation? And I'm just like taking it overboard. Like I always question myself in certain situations. So then once I gather my thoughts, I'll usually like connect with like my supervisor or my boss to be like, hey, like this is what was said. I feel like it was offensive or I feel like it was inappropriate. This is my perspective as a black woman. And I've been grateful enough to work with people who do respect my perspective, not only as like being one of the people that report to them, but also being a woman of color. So I have been like grateful and appreciative in that aspect, but I need to do a better job at like speaking up in the moment, because to your point, I'm just, sometimes I'm too nervous to rock the boat. And sometimes it takes me a minute to be like, wait, when that situation with that coworker, like, wait, he really asked me where I was from? Like, why? That's so, that's so weird. And it's also weird that you asked me where I'm from like we were talking about with another coworker, but instead of just assuming, why didn't you just ask? Like, that's mm-hmm. odd. I think there's several things to consider there. One is that you're doing some sort of very quick risk analysis, right? Okay, if I speak up right now, what will happen to me? And you have too much to lose. So this has to be really, really, really bad for me to speak up. And there's also like some sort of merit analysis. Does this situation merit me speaking up right now? Do I feel confident that others would agree that this is an inappropriate comment to make? Or is this just me being me and overreacting? I think there's a lot of self-questioning that happens in that moment. I always fear, not always, but I tend to fear like saying the wrong thing at times, reacting to something versus responding to something. And I always want to make sure that my emotions aren't getting ahead of myself. So that is why I'll typically take the time to just digest it first and process it and be like, Okay, how am I feeling right now? What is really happening? Sort myself out before saying something out loud. There are so many people who will say no or gaslight you or play things down and be like, no, 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 that's not a real thing. And because I think we've had a collection of those experiences, we don't feel as confident pointing things out, you know? I mean, that's a really good point. But then a part of me always wonders, and I don't know if you feel this way, but as people of color, are we the only people who really think this way? Like, are we, I feel like as a woman of color, I always have to think about that aspect. Whereas like, I feel like someone who is white doesn't have to think like that. Like they don't have to be like, oh, did what they say is, you know? I mean, if you're a woman, yes. But in terms of, are they saying this to me only based on my complexion or only based on, you know, what I look like? And that's just something I always have to question to your point. Cause you're like, oh, does this merit bringing up or am I just gonna kind of let it slide? Which is like also isn't okay, right? Like it's people yeah. of color, like we've let so much stuff slide. Like, oh, it's okay. I'm gonna just let that centuries, <laughs> centuries of trauma slide. <laughs> like, that's not okay. Or like people who just, you know, even when they're pronouncing your name or like just saying something simple, and I'm just like, I'm just gonna let that slide. Like, mm-hmm. Leah, you know about rap music? Actually, no. The music I listen to is from the 2000s. I'm still listening to Drake's like first album. Okay. And like Ja Rule, like, (laughs) no, I I don't know. So like, you know, like just microaggressions like that, like it's not okay. But I do agree with you that I think a lot of people do think that way in terms of like a risk analysis type of approach. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what your experience has been leading our ERG. Do you think it's given you the opportunity to hear more uplifting stories or make an impact on people? I think it's given me the opportunity to educate myself even further. I think the common misconception with people of color is that you're a person of color, you know, like you, sh- you would know everything. 
I don't, um, you know, like I need to educate myself too. I have been able to hear a lot of uplifting stories in terms of allyship. So seeing how white people have stepped up and seeing how they've stepped up for other communities and how they've helped and they've sat back and listened. I've also been able to just see other communities and how they step up and how different organizations are doing different things. I know we recently partnered with Slack and Airtable at our company, and we got to hear how they respond to crisis authentically. So just having those conversations allowed me to get a better understanding on like, as a Black person, I'm not responsible for educating people. I'm not responsible for making sure people do better. I like how Leading an RG has been able to help me connect people so they can see the full story mm. on how racism, on how these things affect people's everyday lives. Like when Brianna Taylor, when I heard about her story, that impacted me because she was sleeping in her bed. Oh God. She was sleeping in her bed. Like she, she worked, she was sleeping in her bed. She just got off her shift, laying with her, like there was no need for that to happen. But I think people need to understand the next day, like you go to work and you have to hide those emotions and just get through the day and be like, oh, okay. Like I'm just going to pretend another black woman didn't die minding her business, not doing a thing. So I am glad that the ERG has allowed me to like show stories like that. It allows me to like shed light on people's stories that people wouldn't have heard about before. I don't think people within our organization, I'm not saying everyone, just some, I don't think they would have talked about that before or even mentioned it, honestly. Yeah, I think Brianna Taylor's story in particular is really heartbreaking because she is completely like innocent in every way. And I remember reading, I, I think it was a tweet or some sort of post that she had written in her lifetime. And she wrote about her dreams of becoming an ER nurse. But I remember just so innocent and genuine, all those dreams and hopes and wishes that she had living a normal life taken away from her. Oh, yeah, it's incredibly disappointing and incredibly frustrating. Makes me angry. And It's good that it makes you feel those things, right? Because like, we're all human, and it's all okay to feel those things. And that's why I'm glad that I'm able to participate in the diversity leadership ERG, right? Because we can talk about those things or even like the Capitol riots, right? Like no one wanted to, I feel like that conversation wouldn't happen before, Yeah. but we had the ERG, so we held the space and we showed photos from the Capitol riots. And it was really emotional for a lot of people because they just, when you look at the photos and you look at how much hate was being spewed on January 6th, people of all different backgrounds was like, this is not acceptable. This is not okay. And I, those are the conversations that have been so meaningful to have by leading the ERG, just seeing people open their eyes and just see a different perspective and be like, there is hate in this country that I may have not noticed before due to my privilege, but now I'm acknowledging it. And now I want to do something about it. So I think seeing people change their minds and like educate them and just further help them want to be better is something that definitely like inspires me by working within the ERG with my other co-league Mimi. That's awesome. So there are a lot of emotions and feelings and stress involved in being a person of color. And I think balance is very important. So with all the mental and emotional toll that it takes to talk about these things and endure these experiences, it's important to also do things that we find joy in. So for me, that's working on this podcast, running. It's just taking the time out of my day to put sheet mask on my face. I think for both of us, we're kind of low-key obsessed with Trader Joe's. Do you like my transition there? <laughs> uh, why do you like Trader Joe's? And what are some of your favorite items? Ugh. My favorite questions, obviously, because <laughs> I'm obsessed with Trader Joe's. For those who don't know, I 
am always posting Trader Joe's on my Instagram. I even have like a highlight reel of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> I have to post today, I forgot, but obsessed. <laughs> so why do I like Trader Joe's? First, I wanna highlight that I found Trader Joe's in the pandemic. So I always knew Trader Joe's existed. I knew that people were obsessed with it, didn't understand why, but I really started going there in the pandemic. And what I like about Trader Joe's, one, is the customer service is phenomenal. Like True. everyone is wonderful. Like people are great. I also am really keen on like aesthetic. And I just feel like the way it looks like you can easily find what you need. It's very simple. I just like the variety of products, but it's not like overwhelming. So it's not Costco or, you know, like a Sam's where it's like so much stuff going on. Mm. I can always find something really great to have. My favorite Trader Joe's items are the carne asada. It's phenomenal. Not the chicken one, the beef one. And when you have the carne asada, you shred it up. Amazing. Add the Trader Joe's peppers, onions. It's in a yellow bag. Phenomenal. And then add a little bit of seasoning on it. Superb. I also love the chocolate covered bananas. Oh, so good. The one in the frozen the, section. Yeah. Yeah. The one in the frozen section. Yeah. Those frozen bananas. Oh, so good. <laughs> oh, I just, oh, I can eat the whole box in like one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> like not kidding at all the mandarin orange chicken my mm. husband and i have it every week like every single week we have mandarin orange chicken what else do i really love Ooh, i love their shrimp burgers those are phenomenal oh. oh interesting i also really recently i just posted this yesterday they have jerk style plantain chips superb wow I ate the Wait, whole is that bag a new snack? it is a new snack for me but supposedly they've had it for so long Oh, wait, I think I know what this is. Is it in like a green yellow bag? Mm hmm. Okay, I've seen it before. I haven't tried it yet. It's funny because all the things you've mentioned, I think out of all of them, I've only tried one or two of the things that you mentioned. The Mandarin chicken, I had a vase where I was obsessed with the Mandarin chicken. They also have like a meat free, like a vegetarian version made out of soy or something. I tried that one too. Not the same, but still very good. I really like Trader Joe's because the variety. So there's always something new to try, which makes it like fun to go. And then the second, because of the quality and price point is like, you know, chef's kiss. Okay. <laughs> it's like not too expensive. The quality is always very on point. Great selection of organic items in particular. I think it's good for people who don't like to cook too much. Yeah. <laughs> like me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I enjoy cooking, but I'm not a chef. Like I call Joe my chef and I'm a big fan of hopping in the frozen thing or like eating some of their prepackaged foods because it makes it a lot easier, especially because I spent the last two years of my career being fed at work and suddenly having to <laughs> having to shift and prepare all my own food. I just like kind of forgot how to do that. And I have a big sweet tooth, so I tend to go heavy on like the snacks and the ice creams at Trader Joe's and the chocolates. Oh, I've tried at least like 50% of their dessert section. There's these little ice cream bonbons that I'm a fan of. They have like brownie on the bottom and then vanilla ice cream and then chocolate like shell and you bite into it and it's like a little morsel of ice cream and it helps me portion control because otherwise I would sit with the entire pint and just go through the entire pint in one sitting. I also am obsessed with their pizzas. I really like pizza and they have this one big family size pizza. I think it's like $5.99 or something. It's one of the more expensive pizzas, but it's organic and it comes in like a rectangle shape and it's a black box and it's supposed mm -hmm. to feed like probably like six portions. I eat it like all basically in one day. Big fan of that. 
I always get their yogurts, single individual cups that are strawberry and banana or passion fruit or like kiwi pineapple flavors. And they also have blueberry and vanilla and mango and cream six packs. I have a sneaking suspicion that those six packs are manufactured by Stonyfield Farms because there's a lot of similarity between that texture, the Stonyfield Farms texture and the Trader Joe's six pack texture. So that's my sneaking suspicion. But anyway, my hobby is going on Instagram and like looking at all the Trader Joe's reviews and seeing like the new products that are available. <laughs> do you do this too? Uh, of course I do. That's how I get like some of my inspiration. I have like some chocolate covered peanut. I forget what it is. It's like a new snack that I oh, need to I've had today. that. It's so is it good? good. So okay, good. I'm excited. I'm excited. I had the matcha ice cream this oh, past weekend. I love matcha ice cream. It's like a new love that I had. I feel like I was at a restaurant before the pandemic and someone's like, oh, you want matcha ice cream? And I was like, sure. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. But yeah, I ate the whole container. So I can't like get it. I can't get it all the time. <laughs> There's certain people who make YouTube videos and they do like supermarket grocery hauls. I don't know if you ever watch these. And this is like a very like specific niche of YouTube that I enjoy. It's either like Midwestern moms or like trendy gay guys who tend to do this. I don't know why. That's just my observation. And they go to all these different supermarkets and they do hauls and they're like, oh, this week so-and-so is on sale. And today I'm going to make so-and-so recipe. And they take you through like their entire grocery bag. It is such a mundane thing, but I find so much joy in watching these videos. And I know like one other friend who enjoys this kind of content. And I think it's because I find so much pleasure in doing like day-to-day -day activities, but watching someone else do them because it's like, oh, I feel connected to you because I know exactly what it's like to walk into a Trader Joe's or to a Costco, go through those aisles and like, get excited over your haul and like all your groceries and all the things you're going to eat. I, I'm should just like I, letting out make... all my weirdness right now. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I love it. You're kind of inspiring me. I'm like, should I make a YouTube tutorial of like my Trader Joe's items? A lot of them would be repeats though. Absolutely love Trader Joe's. Like I even got sweet potatoes from Trader Joe's like, and just put them in the air fryer, <gasps> butter them up, get a little cinnamon, put a little sea salt on them. Superb. Wow, that's smart. I actually don't have an air fryer yet. I haven't hopped on that train. Should I get one? I love the air. Yeah, yeah, of course you should get one. I put their veggie patties in the air fryer too. I love Trader Joe's veggie patties. They're the cowboy ones, like the quinoa cowboy. Oh, oh okay. they're so good. They're so good. They're like $3.69 or $3.99. They're perfect. Leo, if you had the choice to make anything at Trader Joe's, what would you ask the CEO of Trader Joe's? to bring into the store? Mm, it would be a few things. So one, I would love it if they can make a crab cake, but like stuffed in chicken. Oh that would be really good. That sounds amazing. Really good. I didn't even think that about was, that. That'd be so good. Like, yeah. so when you like, or even if it's just like chicken nuggets, like stuffed with crab meat, like, you know, like something like that, where you can like combine the two. That's like mm. luxurious. Oh, that'd be top notch. But if they mm -hmm. can't go that far, totally fine. I wish we could take like the jerk style flavor from like the plantain chips. So make it like mm -hmm. a little bit more spicy mm -hmm. and apply that to a beef, you know, like a little jerk style beef, make a little mm -hmm. jerk style stew, maybe potentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think those are like my big things. Okay. Okay. I'd say smaller pizzas. 
<laughs> you know, I was mentioning family size pizza that I really am a fan of meant for like four to six people that I eat by myself. I wish they made like half that portion and sold it because it's just a lot of pizza to eat in one sitting. And what if you're a single person like me where you don't have like four other people to feed? Another thing is out of left field, but I think they'd be really good at doing a meal delivery service. A lot of their foods are already frozen and prepackaged. So they have their refrigerated section, prepackaged items, and then they have their frozen items. But essentially a lot of these can be one meal because I've seen them sell bowls, like cauliflower rice bowls, for example. A lot of people who don't like to cook or simply too lazy to go to the supermarket, but they still want to eat something fairly healthy. I think Trader Joe's can fit in there as a sweet spot of providing a meal delivery service. I would order meals from them probably every week if yeah. they had a meal delivery <laughs> <laughs> So what's next for you, Leah? What are you looking forward to? Do you have any exciting plans? Well, I think one, I'm looking forward to getting vaccinated when that time happens. My husband and I, we had plans to go to Spain and Italy like before the pandemic. So if those countries open up and we're able to, you know, like travel the way we want to again, I would love to go there. I'm just looking forward to being able to be around friends and family and being able to hug them. I am a hugger, especially with people that I just like love and adore. I just love to give hugs. And so I haven't been able to do that. So I'm just looking forward to hugging physical everyone. Contact. Yeah, just like physical contact, hugging everyone, going out to eat with people and, and not Same. feeling concerned. Cause right, like I've been out to eat, but when I'm out to eat, I have this whole level of anxiety. Like I'm mm -hmm. sitting outside in the cold. I'm like, actually I probably shouldn't have came. Not having to deal with that level of paranoia and anxiety when I go out is the thing I look forward to the most. Even basic things like going to the hair salon and not worrying about anything, sitting inside a cafe and like leisurely drinking my coffee or my boba and the simple act of taking my sweet, sweet time in a restaurant. I also kind of miss concerts, amusement parks, and it might be a function of just not being able to do it right now. I have this like romanticized idea of going back to Disney World and, and Harry Potter World, being surrounded by tons of people, like getting my like Mickey Mouse ice cream and like enjoying the hot summer sun. I have an inkling that this summer, at least in our area, is going to be a little better than last summer because I'm hearing like stories left and right from a lot of people who have been vaccinated and not just older people. I'm hearing stories about a lot of younger people who have also been vaccinated. It's like a function of either if they have asthma, they're like borderline BMI. Governor Cuomo announced that the new age is not 65, but it's 60 for vaccination qualification and in New York. So they're starting to like bring down that bar gradually as more and more people get vaccinated. So I'm thinking if we're lucky by May, June, we'll be a part of them. <laughs> Listen, I hope so, because I'm with you. I miss concerts so much. Like I love concerts and not being able to go has been so hard. Leah, where can my listeners find you if they want to get in contact with you? I'm on Instagram. So Leah Danielle XO, very classy name. You know, no matter how old I get, I still add an XO. Like I'm <laughs> So we're a teenager, like what is going on with me? Um, I'm on TikTok as well, same username. And I love TikTok. I'm trying to work on my different like dance game and moves. I don't have a lot oh, of content yeah. there. My name is Leah Danielle 24. XO was taken on TikTok. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> by another 16 year old, probably. 
I know. I really want to like learn their dance moves, you know? Like I think I can do it sometimes. And then I'm like, mm, are you that kind they, of They make it look today. really easy. There's this one guy I follow. He he skates. Like, so I love ice skating. It's like a, mm-hmm. one of the weird things that I love. And he dances on like an ice ring and he'll like flip in the air. And then he just like moves. And it's just like so cinematic watching him dance and like while he's ice skating. Wait, do you know I, his handle? I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it and send it to you afterwards, but. Okay, I'll post it in the show notes then. Thank you so much, Leah, for coming on the pod. Of course, definitely. I would love to come back. I already told you that. So let me know whenever you have time. I can always find more Trader Joe's items. Um, (laughs) We'll end up reviewing the entire store. (laughs) 